Hour 2 of the People Show here on Sportsnet 650. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Text into the show 650-650 in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. <laughs> People Show brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at D-L-E-A-M-C.com. Uh, we'll get into some more conversations. Marcus Fitzgerald will join us in the mm-hmm. uh, second half of the hour. Uh, talk about uh, Basketball Canada. I think yeah. success uh, over at the FIBA World Cup. Latvia downed earlier today. Uh, we'll get into that uh, in the second half of the show. Also, Corey Pronman's been doing this prospect mm-hmm. pipeline list. Yeah, uh, we talked about it when the Canucks were unveiled at twenty-four. Uh, the, but then the full list of like the ranking of the prospects uh, came out yesterday. Some of the Canucks have landed in the top one hundred and sixty-eight prospects that are twenty-three and under. We'll discuss that uh, later on in the show as well. But we'll continue with the conversation. Surprise teams. Who are you planting your flag on across the NFL teams? Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Adam, my Bears could have a surprising season. Uh, they have a cupcake schedule. Could easily be a ten-win team if all goes well. Uh, that's Adam, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. I mean, the big question, if all goes well. But, I mean, that's the thing with, with the Bears. They've been slowly making additions over the past few years. And you look at the roster. And and I will say, though, I mean, we go through a lot of the teams in NFL now. And maybe it's – I think it's the influx of talent. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, even the teams that are kind of like you look at they're kind of bad, you can look at their roster and be like, I, mm-hmm. I see a bit of a pathway. Like, you know, it helps. It helps when there's one franchise that has no players – <laughs> even at like a top 10 spot yes. so it's really yes. a 31 team league yes and arizona just exists with it and that's like 50 players and i mean they have no stars out of those 50 they're guys. not pilfering anyone right no. so it's just like it, the talent gets dispersed into realistically like 30 other teams yeah and it's like even and the bears you go through the bears roster you can talk yourself into and be like yeah they can have a winning record and i think that's what makes this season so fascinating for me mm-hmm. and I have such a hard time trying to figure out like okay who's actually gonna you know really fight for playoff spot and who's kind of out or whatever it is and there's going to be some really good teams this year that miss the playoffs mm-hmm. like really good teams and you, and it's going to be easy to look at those teams and be like oh huge disappointment but it's like tough schedule things kind of didn't happen for you and in the afc if you don't win 10 games in the afc you're not making the playoffs it's going to be tough it's going to be know, really you, tough you know you can be 9 and 8 and have had the hardest schedule and you, not sniff the playoffs. You could win 10 and just be out on tiebreakers yeah. in the AFC. And 10 mm-hmm. wins, usually, you're in. Every single time, you're in. Uh, in the AFC, though, because of the list of quarterbacks, again, uh, I'll just do it again. Mahomes, Herbert, Russell Wilson, Derek, or not Derek Carr now, but Jimmy G. Like, Jimmy G, I know we always like, hey, Jimmy G can't do this. Like, Jimmy G does win football games. Yeah. That's the, the thing. Burrow. Kenny Pickett, does he take a step? Watson, Lamar, former MVP. Ryan Tannehill, who's finished as a, fir- a number one seed in the league. Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson, two top five picks this past draft. Josh Allen, Mac Jones, Tua, Aaron Rodgers. We talked yesterday about, hey, everybody's got a QB plan. That's basically the whole AFC has a QB plan. Yeah. You might not like Ryan Tannehill. You might not think it's got a long future. Sure, but that's a lot of teams in the AFC that got themselves a shot uh, or a QB that they believe in uh, this upcoming year. So it's it's going to be tough in the AFC. But as Adam mentioned, the schedule for the Chicago Bears is a cakewalk. For me personally, they're yeah the third easiest strength of schedule. But it still means that they have to like, – I don't view them as a, a top – 25 team. Yeah. So it's all well and good to have the the strength of schedule. 
are you a good enough team to take advantage of that? I'm skeptical when it comes to Chicago. Yeah. Improvements, yes. Enough, not for me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be... The thing is, though, there's going to be a team that surprises us this year. Mm-hmm. There always is. There's always a team like the Vikings last season. They won yep. 13 games. I mean, a lot of people thought the Vikings would be competitive. Nobody had them winning that many games, right? And I am willing to be surprised. It's hard to kind of figure out what that is going to be. I'm just not confident in the Bears either. Because essentially, are they going to win the division is, is to me like a surprise team. You were mentioning the Browns. Like, I could see a way that the Browns win the division. Yeah, I mean, they have a chance of winning the division. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a very hard division, but there is there is a pathway for them to get there, right? Now, teams that we talked about before, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is there a chance that one of those teams in that division wins their division matchups? Mm-hmm. Like, there could be a team that, I mean... Someone all, goes 5-1 in division. If they do that, they win 10 games, mm-hmm. you know, or 9 games at least. So there is a chance they do that, but it's just really hard to really pinpoint which team in that division and the team that I maybe am most in that division specifically the one I'm looking at as surprises the Falcons it comes down we talked about them yesterday a little bit but like if Desmond Ritter is an actual guy and they have all those weapons offensively especially with their play calling they could be a really fun exciting team this year it's the Saints for me in that division because I just think their defense is gonna be better than the Falcons offense and I'm looking at them that they could win 12 wins because at least for them to what Adams was mentioning for Chicago, it's like, hey, the strength of schedule. I've got New, uh, New Orleans as the 20th best team, which is not a ringing endorsement. But they have 11 games against teams that I think are worse than them. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, It's your schedule. It's your schedule. And you play it out like that, you can rack up 10, 11, 12 wins, 13 wins fairly quickly. Like, there's a r- reality that exists. New Orleans is, is the two seed in the NFC. They could. I mean, does they not win mean they're 11 the second games, best team. But they just win a lot of games. There's, there's a chance. And Jay says, how about Atlanta turning into hot yep. Atlanta again, QB and RB? And, and, and that's how I see it, right? I see that if Desmond Ritter can be legit, and you got B. John Robinson, you have Drake London, you have Cal Pitts, you have a strong offensive line, you have creative play calling. Like, there's a chance that that offense catches a lot of teams off guard, especially the first six, seven, eight weeks of the season. And can you bank five wins over that stretch? And if you can, all of a sudden you're in the mix. Uh, 650-650, this unsigned text, two surprise teams for me in the division. Uh, The Browns, as mentioned, and the Steelers. That's the one for me. I mentioned yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a chance the Steelers win the division. You're just all in on Kenny Pickett. I'm all in on Mike Tomlin, and I think that team is finally at a stage right now. It's it's ready to be Pittsburgh football again. And, yeah, Kenny Pickett's the the one who gets to captain it all. But I, he showed me enough in very limited a limited sample size that there's growth there so far. So the defense looks good. but or, like, The how defense much looks is- incredible. So what what part of their defense do you think is their strength? Is it a D line still? It, it's definitely the defensive line. Yeah, it is. It looks like old school Pittsburgh football that we're just gonna pummel you, and you're not gonna feel the effects of the loss until the week after when you're still sore. Well, that's also, what it looks like to me. One, they also have um, any defense with legit nose tackle scares me. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> right? Because like, they, they don't exist anymore, and they have like they got they got, they, they have three dudes. They got some hogs up there who man. are again like you're gonna feel sore. Yeah, like a, a fun betting angle that used to be way back when is bet against the team that played the Steelers the week before. The right. 49ers are that version now. Yeah, yeah, you're so beat up it's, after the game. It's, it's, don't even worry about when the 49ers are playing. Bet against that team the following week after. Because they just get beat up, and you do pretty okay as far as uh, 
those bets. The Steelers are going to be that team this year because between Cameron Hayward, who's like one of the most crazy physical specimens that we have in the league, and just the effort level is there all the time for Cameron Hayward. Larry uh, – Joby, former Brown. Former Brown, your guy. Keanu Benton, who's the guy that they drafted. They're just going to pummel people. Yeah. And we're just talking about open up gaps for people, for someone like – Oh, here comes TJ Watt, who's well, the real defensive star in this. Well, and because they essentially play a three-four, yeah. they can have TJ Watt standing up pretty much off the just, edge, and he's just gonna—he's just a terror. Alex Highsmith had a bunch of sacks last yeah, season. Just an absolute terror. The, the, no team in the league drafts wide receivers and edge guys better than I think the Steelers. Is there a more effective safety in the league right now than Minka Fitzpatrick? Just like a top ten football player. Forget right? safety. Just right? just a fun football player. This is what I loved about. Him. I remember when we talked about Fitz, Fitzpatrick on the playbook year. back in the yeah. in his draft bo- draft year. And he Derwin James had more off talent mm-hmm. than he did. But I'm like Minka like, Minka plays at game speed better than anybody else in the NFL in the second. I always thought of him as like the Raptors from Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> like you can see them problem solving. Yes, yes. He's he, he just works out the problems in real time. Uh just just one of the most fun watches. So, I'm with the texture there. I'm all in on the Steelers right now. Yeah, good old line, a lot of weapons, strong running. Najee Harris had a great, yeah. great year last season. Uh, Joe and Langley, uh, Seahawks could be a surprise team. The thing is they are, won, like, they're, they're, they're they, not a surprise. I don't know be, if they're a surprise anymore. Right when you have the season that they did last year, and you win nine games, and you prove the rebuild wasn't a thing, like I, I think the surprise would be them having a bad wins. year. Yeah, ten wins for me is the expectation. For okay, Seattle. I mean, we talk about. I mean, Seattle's roster doesn't like. What's the biggest hole Seattle's roster has? Like Defensive legit D line. Yeah, depth wise, the starters are all right. The DT maybe a little bit. But Interior like, defensive it, line is where the real question. But is. I mean, most teams do. But even off of what happened last year, like they they got pushed around, and they gave up a lot of yards on the ground last year. Uh, this one, uh, are you guys serious? The fail clowns. I mean, Big get said real. Big said the Saints are going to win twelve. <laughs> I'm saying we're talking about teams that could surprise. People get ornery, man. People are hyped up Relax. for football season. I know. It's like my Saints are winning, <laughs> not the fail clowns. Although I've never heard that one before. Well done, fail clowns. I've never heard that. But I mean, they're not clowns. They're going to be something bird wise. Fail fail crows. No, stop it. Falcons, stop it. Falcons right. is better. Falcons is better. Yeah, don't change the bird. Yeah, I mean, but clowns, fail clowns. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Keep coming your uh, thoughts into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, all I care is the Broncos aren't the surprise team. Ah, uh, I mean they were surprised for the wrong uh, reason last year. Okay, so we talked about this. So I, I'm not betting on the Broncos. I don't feel good betting on Russell Wilson and all that. But I don't doubt Sean Payton. No. I think the biggest question for them is health on the D-line. Like, can Baron Browning get healthy at some point? They got Frank Clark. I think it's kind of a quiet addition mm-hmm. for them. I and mean, they have Zach Allen. I mean, they they got some they got some pretty strong players defensively. And their secondary looks really solid as well. Well, the big question is the O-line. Russell was sacked 55 times yeah. last year, most in the NFL, tied with Justin Fields. True. and But they went out and got Ben Powers, one of the better interior uh, um, linemen in the league as well. That helps them out a little bit. I, I know they have some issues, but as much as they surprised last year by being bad, it wouldn't shock me if they surprised this year by being competitive. Yeah. But still, it's just like, it, it, it's hard to see, like, I can see them being competitive and still wanting to move off of Russell Wilson. If if they get eight wins and just like, it, it looks clunky and they're not ready. Now the contract is what it is, but a scenario does develop where they're ready to kind of take the the hit on Russell Wilson because they're like, well, Sean Payton, you're the guy. You have time to figure this out. You're going to be our guy. Uh, 
for them though, it's like they just have to reachieve stability. Yes, for them. And if it looks smooth and it looks like Russell Wilson's making progress again or reclaims some some of his former glory, then okay. But for for me, like success for them this year as a surprise means Russell Wilson looks like solid again, and and that's a successful season for Denver. Denver because they are heavily invested in that level of success. Um, but they got to make that work for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you one more surprise team. All right, what you again, got? Again, who can win a division? I mentioned it yesterday. Green Bay Packers. We were talking about Dan Campbell earlier. It's like, yeah. hey, what if it doesn't really work out for Detroit? That opens up the door all of a sudden for Green Bay. And I mentioned that you know, top five offensive line. Yeah, there's concerns there of is is it too young? I can see the Packers winning that division. I can see it as well. I mean, I mean, if the Packers don't win, it's probably the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bears and Lions, I don't think, are good enough to to really compete for the division title. And if you got to beat out the Vikings. I don't like the Vikings. Yep. Like I respect the Vikings a lot, but thirteen wins last year. I don't feel bad about it. I mean, and the, if you want to talk about rosters again, the Green Bay's roster looks as solid as ever. Still, the big question is quarterback. Mm-hmm. I've been a Jordan Love fan, and it's only preseason. He's he looks dialed in though. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing, more than anything, is the point you made yesterday about Matt Lafleur, their head coach. He gets to finally run the office exactly how he wants, and I think. Um, Jordan Love is pliable and young enough, right? Pliable to word, yeah. to just kind of follow along. And if he follows yeah. along, I think they'll be just fine. And institutional strength—that's what the organization has. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Keep coming with your thoughts of uh, surprise teams, and also just who you expect to uh, be winning some of the key awards this year. Uh, let's do them. Offensive Player of the Year. We got this one. Offensive Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year from Krez. Harry Maguire. Sorry, wrong football. <laughs> Uh, good shout in the inbox. Eddie McGuire. 650. Yes. Uh, offensive player of the year for you, Sat. Okay. Uh, so the offensive player of the year is going to be hard. I think it's going to be Josh Allen this year. Is he also winning MVP? No, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. MVP. Sorry. No, no, no. I got to, yeah, I got to move it up. Sorry. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. I think, is he also winning MVP, though? Yes. All right. I got Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar, number one motivation, and I think he'll be healthy this season. I think the Ravens are just quietly very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, they got Todd Munkin now to come in to be their offensive coordinator. I think they're trying to change things up a little bit. And if you come with some new wrinkles and Lamar Jackson together, I think they're going to they're gonna really catch a lot of teams. So I think Lamar is going to have a massive season, and I think he's going to win the MVP. Uh, I'll go Offensive Player of the Year. Because usually it's not necessarily the MVP, right? Um, offensive Player of the Year, I'll go Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. So you think he's going to get close to 2,000 yards or something? Yeah, I think there's a chance. It's just it finally all clicks. Now, health is the thing. Like he missed a couple of games last year. But I think there's a chance where it's like the rookie rust is off now. But if he has those numbers, then wouldn't Burrow's numbers be insane if Burrow's numbers are insane? I mean, Burrow insane? can win MVP then. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. mean, if you take Chase, then probably Burrow's going to win it. Right, but the Offensive Player of the Year usually isn't always like the, whoever gets MVP, they're not going to give both awards to. Uh, they should. But I'll, I'll go Chase. Just yeah. like I could see a hundred and five catch season, sixteen hundred yards, seventeen hundred yards, and let's say thirteen touchdowns. I can see that. And That's just pick. like it's a hey, break the wall down kind of season for Jamar Chase. Get some decent juice on that too, probably. Oh, I haven't even looked at the odds of what that would be. That'd be interesting. I, I'm just going off the board, a wide receiver pick. But MVP, yeah, I, I'll put in Joe Burrow. Even though I'm hyped with the Steelers. I just I do still see the Bengals kind of win that division. 650, 650. Uh, your thoughts as far as uh, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, whatever you're thinking. You're whatever you're thinking. This one, 
uh, what if Mayfield plays well? Well, if he plays well, then the Buccaneers have a chance in that yeah. division. But here's the funny thing about that division. I think we're sitting here talking about this team might be 12-5. and five. Maybe the Falcons win the division. What's most likely to happen? It, Falcons would be like seven and like ten. Yeah. Um, Tampa Bay is going to be like what six and and like eleven. You could see a scenario where the worst team is at six wins and the best team is at nine wins. Yeah, I, that, I think that's the most likely way that division is going to shape out. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Uh, keep coming with your Texas ones. <laughs> offensive player Colt McCoy. Uh, well, Colt McCoy <laughs> got released today. Uh, uh, waived. Yeah. Uh, don't think it's happening amongst the list of many others that got waived we mentioned nathan rourke yesterday that happened in the, the last hour of the show he got waived you see the moves that are happening today on uh, on official cut day the new england patriots cut both of their backup quarterbacks today bailey zappi uh as well going out yeah wonder if now that they have they only have one qb on the roster it's only mac jones they're clearly going to add a quarterback they're clearly adding a quarterback. You don't go into the season without yeah. having a backup. You're, you're adding a quarterback. Yesterday, I kind of mentioned the Bengals as a potential option. They have, obviously, Joe Burrow, but the, Jake Browning is their backup. Is that a spot Rourke can land? The Bears could be a spot. They've had some uh, backup QB questions, um, although their backup, I forget his name. I think it's Tyson. Tyson Badgett. Yeah, he's kind of flashed a bit in preseason. Um, maybe that's a spot, but suddenly New England kind of is emerging as a Another spot that has to add a QB is that a spot Nathan Rourke could end uh, up in New England. I think it's a possibility. I think it's a possibility. I mean, um, like right now, you're just looking for destinations, right? Yeah. Uh, like, I, I, the thing about a lot of these teams and the kind of the quarterback chases, there aren't. I don't think there's anybody available via trade that is no. going to really compete for the starting job. They're no. all depth guys. These are all depth spots. But look, that, that's a great outcome for Nathan Rourke. Oh, huge. To get a true blue backup QB job in his first NFL offseason. Well, I mean, if he gets claimed, because he's on waivers, mm-hmm. correct? If he gets claimed, that's an easy thing. But yeah. if he doesn't get claimed, could there... Uh, if he doesn't get claimed, I'm assuming he ends up in Jacksonville. Just goes back to the tri- practice yeah. squad roster. But if he gets claimed, like if there's a team that puts in a claim, I'm looking at the Bengals, I'm looking at the Bears, I'm looking at now... Uh, all of a sudden, the New England Patriots, just because there's a job opening there. Yeah, I guess Jake Browning is the backup for Joe Burrow. Yeah, obviously did a good job at uh, uh, UW, but NFL transition hasn't been as easy. Arizona just feels like, hey, Clayton Tooney, Joshua Dobbs, we just traded for him. They're going to roll with that, and it's not inspiring at all, but they don't even feel like they care about it trying to be inspiring. Um, like Atlanta invested in Taylor Heineke, that's their backup, so... The, the spots kind of get eaten up pretty quick here. That's an interesting one. Uh, maybe Green Bay. I think they have a rookie there, Sean Clifford, backing up Jordan Love. So maybe that's a spot. Uh, but some pretty uh, marquee spots that could end up for Nathan Rourke. But again, just want to reiterate, him and him ending up on the practice squad, as long as he stays in Jacksonville, is a good outcome. Yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be great for him in terms of just being on a stable. I, mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but a stable team all of a sudden. A stable and, coaching staff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, there's a lot of talent. And being behind a guy like Trevor Lawrence actually helps your reputation as a backup if he plays really well. Because people love getting quarterbacks from teams mm-hmm. that have a good starter. They feel like, oh, maybe this guy deserves a chance. Uh, 650-650. We mentioned a couple more here. Uh, defensive player of the year. Uh by the way, I'm saying someone saying Nathan Rourke scored in the New England Patriots. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's an opening. Yeah, there's now. an opening. They yes. have to add a quarterback yes. somewhere on the roster. Well, and like, not a practice squad quarterback. Like this whoever they claim or whoever they add is going to be on the fifty three man roster. So they have to make a an acquisition there. Could it be Nathan Rourke in New England? 
So we're not reporting anything. We're just saying it's a possibility. Uh, It exists. We also asked for Defensive Player of the Year, 650-650. Sean says, Max Crosby will be Defensive Player of this year for Uh, the Vegas Raiders. He's a monster. Monster, yeah. Um, Destroyer of worlds. He is. He's fantastic. They really um, transitioned well from Khalil Mack. They did. Star pass rusher into the next star pass well, rusher. And, and the thing I think that I'm most impressed with Max Crosby is like how like how much he improved individually within the past two or three years. Like he's really like he's he was good to begin with, but he's just taking steps every single year, and that's really impressive. I'm going with Micah Parsons. Yeah, that's my pick too. Yeah, I go I go with Micah Parsons. I, I think the the Cowboys are gonna be a terror this year. Uh, Micah's an absolute demon to begin with. And when you're on the Cowboys, they have a good team, good defense, you get featured a lot. And I think he's going to have a lot of momentum behind him. That star in the helmet just yeah. gets you so much publicity. It's like 20%. And, and these things are like narrative-driven, yeah. and so there's already going to be eyes on the Dallas Cowboys. And he's just a freak of nature that just – I want to say just bowls through because his balance is out of control. He can go at any angle. He can go at any sort of thrust into the force into the offensive line. And he just makes it work, and he's like, oh, I'll just sneak right past you. Right. He does it with everything, with sheer power, with agility, with – uh, converting speed to power. It's just fantastic. I think this is the year we see like 16, 17, 18 sacks for Micah Parsons. And yeah. they know, um, I, I think they finally fine-tuned how much defensive and pass rushing opportunities he has to have. And he's poised to yeah. be uh, out of control this year. You know what? Like Somebody just texted in and said, Sauce Gartner, Defensive Player of the Year. And I love, mm-hmm. I love it. I love the idea of it. The, the reason I have a hard time ever predicting a cornerback or a defensive back, it's so... It's consistent on how many interceptions you get. Like, sure. if you don't get a ton of interceptions, you're not going to win it. And interceptions are so hard. Like, I can see Sauce Gardner getting a ton, but Sauce Gardner might be the best defensive player in the NFL next season with four interceptions. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, he's not winning the DPOY, right? Like, he's not winning the Defensive Player of the Year award unless he has a high number of interceptions. Like, I don't think Darrell Revis ever won Defensive Player of the Year. No, it's very hard for, for um, DBs to win them unless they have huge interception numbers. But yeah, I, I like the I like Sauce Gardner a lot. I'd mm-hmm. love to see a defensive back win it. Uh, coach of the year? We'll skip the rookies for now. Okay. You already know where my vote's going. Coach Mike T, man. You're going Mike. Yo, you're doing Mike Tomlin. Yeah. I'm staying in the division. I'm going John Harbaugh. You pick Lamar. Harbaugh. Yeah. Okay. Lamar. I, and I, honestly, like what the Ravens did last year with all those injuries mm-hmm. was impressive. And Harbaugh's not getting suspended to start the year, and I think it's big. Like, if he would, would have got suspended, I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of motivation, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of, like, us against the world. Lamar's back. We have a new OC. They're going to catch some teams off guard. I hate to say it, but I just think the Ravens are going to be really difficult this year. I'll stick with Coach Mike T. All right. just, just all in. AFC just North. All in on the Steelers. Maybe Matt LaFleur, as I mentioned. I'm yeah, back in both well, those yeah, teams. Well, yeah, if they win if, 13 games. Off of the Aaron Rodgers thing, they're like, oh, Matt LaFleur continuing the wins. Maybe it's something that solidifies his spot and it's funny how it works in the nfl like you don't give like it'd be easy to be like oh what about mcdermott and what about andy mm-hmm. reed but those guys always get like bumped down you know like, unless they have like 14 like, they, they have to be like so far and away the yeah. best to get it and it's funny because they probably are two of the best coaches mm-hmm. but they're not going to get the same run unless they win like 14 games it's always based on expectations yeah. like oh you were only expected to get seven wins and mm-hmm. here you are with 11 into the playoffs yeah you sure. only expect to get five wins and you managed to get to nine into the playoffs it's those type of candidates to get thrust into uh, the spot. All right, keep coming with the submissions. A lot of good stuff in the inbox. 650, 650. Just a reminder, we're also taking uh, entries into the People Show Fantasy Football League. Oh, yeah. Bribes. Bribe your bribes? way in. Yeah. Donate to charity. Send us the confirmation that you're in. 
or send us that you'll do something. I've already had some people reach out, be like, hey, want to do this, want to do this. We'll talk to you. You can text in what you want to do, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. But earn your way in. Yes, do something spectacular and extraordinary. You can do it for uh, something creative for the show. We've had people name beers after us. Yes, we have. We've had uh, someone yesterday said, well, I'll do a theme song. Uh, Mike, we'll, we'll reach out to you, uh, see if you can actually pull <laughs> that one off. And it's a good theme song. But if it's uh, if it's something good, that's a way to earn your way in. But we're taking those entries. Uh, how do you want to get in? 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Also, uh, you can DM me on Twitter, uh, at Bick Nazar as well, as a way for you to uh, find your way into the People Show Fantasy League, which will draft next Wednesday and uh, up for grabs. Tickets to a Canucks game. Give you a signed jersey from a prominent member of the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, prominent. And uh, more swag from uh, contributing sponsors and uh, as well here at Sportsnet 650. A prominent current member of the team? Current member okay. of the team, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the, the goal would be you, you get to go see them oh, when, see. when you uh and You support by having the jersey. Absolutely. I see it. Uh, I it's see all right. It. All right. coming up here. Uh, Marcus Fitzgerald on the other side, host of Basketball Central. Team Canada thriving right now at the FIBA World Cup. We'll get into it with Marcus on the other side. Sportsnet 650. Back in on the People Show, coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Satyar Shah with... Big Nazar. You can always reach us on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. It is Satin Big. We're going to be joined by Marcus Fitzgerald from Basketball Central coming up in just a few moments. Canada victorious yet again at the FIBA World Championship. 3 0. Just waxing Can't the group stop, stage. won't stop. Can't stop being Latvia today. And it looked, it seemed a bit dicey in the first half. It, they were tied at halftime, uh, essentially. And Canada had, a, had had issues really launching in the game. But then what happened in the second half was... Second half closers. Shea Gilgis-Alexander took over. And next thing you know, they dusted Latvia. So talk about, to talk about that and more, let's bring in Marcus Fitzgerald. Marcus, what's happening, buddy? You've been up early watching some basketball? I, I was up early today, yes. I am a little bit tired. I don't normally get up uh, that early, but it was worth it to uh, scream internally at Dylan Brooks during the first half. It was, it was fantastic. Well, thanks for uh, staying up late for us at the uh, late hours of 2.33 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. <laughs> <laughs> Always, guys. But hey, look, the game was on at like, what, 6 a.m.? I taped that I got up. I was I was that guy. But you know what? I, but you can't stay I, awake for eight hours? Come on. No, no, I can't. I can't. I just, I don't have that bandwidth anymore. It's just, <laughs> it's not there anymore, Beck. But you know what? It's still the summertime. It's a dog days of summer. I think yeah. that's what it is. Once I'll get over that, once we get into football season here, hockey season, mm-hmm. the NBA will fire up, then I just won't sleep. But for right now, it's still the summertime. <laughs> it is. I, you know, focusing in on the game for a little bit, you mentioned Dylan Brooks in the first half, doing Dylan Brooks things and whatever. What what, what did you make of how they played in the second half and, and how they really took charge uh, coming up in the second first half and how they really took charge in the third and fourth quarter of the game? Well, certainly in the in the second half of the game, they played much better defense. They seemed a lot more uh, connected. I, I felt, guys, in the first half that Canada looked like an NBA team that was playing its ninth game of the season in the you know in november <laughs> they looked like they were playing the atlanta hawks on a random tuesday and and latvia really came out and they were firing and we knew coming in that 
the only thing that Latvia was going to do uh, was was shoot threes. And, and they tried to do that in the second half as well. And yes, Latvia shot the ball terribly. So that obviously played a big factor as well. The variance comes into effect there. But I really liked uh, what Canada did defensively. It kind of woke them up. And when you get your defense going, then it's a lot more fun to play offense at the other end. And yes, for once in our lives, guys, uh, we have a star in Shea Gilgis Alexander, a first-team All-NBA guy who finished fifth in MVP voting. Uh, this past season, there's a lot of young talent in OKC. He could make another leap. Uh, it's it's just legitimately really cool as as a fan of this program, quite frankly, that Canada has a guy who can do that in the second half. He's been second half Shea uh, all tournament long. So, yeah, the defense was great. Dylan Brooks did more little things. He wasn't uh, as concerned with shooting the ball as he was maybe in the first half. So there were definitely things to uh, build on here as they go to the second portion uh, of the tournament, a couple of tough games probably coming up here. Yeah, well, we'll I, I do want to get to further on the tournament, but just focusing on Shea, like, what is the next step for him come the NBA season as well this season? Go to a well, better team. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, well, the thing is, I mean, you know, they've they've surrounded Shea with an awful lot of talent mm-hmm. uh, in OKC. He's had an excellent World Cup, but so is his teammate uh, Josh Giddy. Nineteen a game, five rebounds, six assists, couple of steals. Uh, he's he's leading Australia in, in 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 three of those categories, and 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 you factor in a player like like Chet Holmgren, and then you have the two Jalen Williams kids, and there's just so much talent in OKC. And this was a playing team a year ago, and you've got a clear MVP candidate in in SGA with a very, uh, I it almost sounds bad guys to say deliberate, but he's got a very deliberate game. He's not necessarily a dynamic pull from 35 feet shooter he's just going to find a way to get into the paint he's going to get to his spots uh and he's he's going to fill it up he's he's done that for okc the last couple of years he's done that for canada at this world cup and and dick as you say like what is the next step for him i mean how much farther is there to go yes get the thunder into the playoffs, sure but if you're going to be first team all nba and you're going to be fifth in mvp voting well, is it okay to say that MVP is the next step? I know there's a lot of names that he would have to leapfrog to get to that point, but based on the year that he uh, he just had with the Thunder, it, it seems reasonable to say, almost reasonable to suggest that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is NBA MVP, joining Steve Nash on that list. Uh, Cannon would be the next step. I know Sat's kind of joking of like, hey, go to a new team and everything like that. <laughs> but if he has that, that, that type of season you just talked about, does that enable him to play the superstar card that rather than wait till age 33 that Dame Lillard is doing it now, do you do it now at age 25 and say, hey, this is my opportunity to try to get to a next stage, to try to push, to, to get regular time in the playoffs? I, I, I would think so. I mean, Shay, based on what I know about the kid, he's, he's a fairly humble kid. He works hard. Uh, he's got that uh, Canadian mindset that we all like in our hockey players as well. But here's the thing, guys. I remember back in 20... 20- I think it was 2015 when Devin Booker, uh, who was in year two or year three with the Phoenix Suns, kind of just said, you know what? I want to build a super team here. I want guys to come here to play with me. And when he said it back in 2015, guys, we all laughed and laughed and laughed. And now we look at the Phoenix Suns now. Devin Booker is the best player on that team, and he's got Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, and they're probably a favorite in the Western Conference this season. So it is entirely possible that – you know, SGA could be on a Devin Booker-like trajectory. Now, it's obviously going to help if OKC has a couple of deep playoff runs in the next couple of years. Uh, that certainly helps the narrative. It certainly 
attracts the attention of other stars across the NBA. Chris Paul showed up in Phoenix, helped Devin Booker get to the NBA Finals, and now the Suns are what they are now. That's going to take some time, but uh, for Shea to get stars to come play with him, uh, he's going to need a couple deep playoff runs, and if, if, if he can get that going, if they can establish that, mm-hmm. call it OKC 2.0. We, we, we saw Durant and, and Westbrook years ago. There's mm-hmm. no reason that Shea can't do it with this current group. It just might take a couple of years. Oh yeah, and and then I think that's the biggest thing, right? Like it's it, you have to be good enough to be able to draw stars to your team, and it comes down to how he feels about things going on in OKC. And I joke about him him having to go elsewhere, but we'll see ultimately what happens with him in the NBA and the next steps he takes. But as far as the roster here too, and it's not like Canada has its absolute best team at the championship. We all know, um, obviously Wiggins isn't at the tournament, and that's nothing new. Uh, Jamal Murray, because of his injury situation, he obviously couldn't play, but we know that he always has a desire to represent Canada. But in terms of trying to catch lightning in a bottle, and especially at these tournaments, is it almost helping Canada that Shea Gilgis is now clearly the guy offensively? You build the offense around him, everybody else plays their role. Like, Are they almost better suited for this type of tournament to, I guess, not have as many guys who need to have the ball in their hands as much? Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're going with that, Sat. And I was actually thinking about that as I was watching the game today because when Shea takes over the game, he really does uh, take over the game. And that's not to suggest that Jamal Murray can't play off the ball. I mean, the guy plays with Nikola Jokic for crying out loud. Yeah. That whole mindset is to just play off the ball and Nikola is going to find you and make you better. Um, but I, I do think that the makeup of this roster, not just with Shea uh, at the top, but also with you know some of these grinders they have coming off the bench that may not be NBA stars, but they have that FIBA experience. They have that uh, college experience. In fact, one of the scrub brothers had a big three in the fourth quarter today. Like I, I, don't, I don't think that's a small thing uh, that Canada has players that have played uh, in Europe. Melvin Edgem is, is a big dirty work guy uh, for this team coming off the bench, and he had some moments in the game today as well. So as much as we want to uh, stack the Canadian roster with stars because we can finally do that. And again, guys, I admit, I, I fell into that trap when, when Murray got hurt and I yeah. thought, okay, there's no Jamal Murray. There's no Benny Matherin. There's no Shaden Sharp in Portland, the high flyer. There's no Wiggins. We're still missing some of our best guys. But at the end of the day, they've been very, very impressive uh, through the first three games. And, and that really speaks to roster construction and the uh, perhaps more importantly, the mixture of the personalities uh, with this group, because most importantly, guys, I think, and I, and I kind of say this towards the end, but they all seem to really like each other. They all seem mm-hmm. to buy in, and Jordy Fernandez has done a great mm-hmm. job to uh, cultivate that over the course of just a few weeks here. Well, I wanted to ask you specifically about the coach. Uh, just with all the things that you have to overcome, obviously, uh, coming into the tournament with Murray and everything like that, uh, the job he's done, and just the way that the team looks and, and is performing, uh, what does it speak to the coaching staff? I think it says a lot because, and you can kind of see it in the game today. Uh, there was one time out that Jordy called where it was very clear that he's a guy who wants to hold the players accountable. And, and this is a family show, so I can't repeat it entirely. But <laughs> Jordy, Jordy yeah. basically said to the players, like, well, do you guys want to finish first in the group or what? Like, yeah. like what are we doing here? Like, and that's getting back to what I said a few minutes ago. Like, when you have these NBA guys, uh, they're going to – you know, slipped into that mindset where it's the ninth game of the year in November. And they really did kind of look like that in the first half of this ball game where they're playing a bunch of, like, you know, hey, there's there's Latvia on the other side, right? Well, I know who Davis Bertans is, but right. that's it. There's no Kristaps Porzingis. Like, we could take our foot off the gas. We just beat Lamadon by 600 points. Surely we'll be fine. 
And they came out flat today. And, and Fernandez was like, well, no, this isn't happening. This is a new era. This is a new time for Canadian basketball. We're going to come in. We're going to dominate. We're going to win. And you guys are going to be the ones to do it. And they responded. So the players get credit for that. But I think Fernandez gets credit for not being afraid to go to SGA, not being afraid to go to RJ Barrett or Dylan Brooks and say, hey, we need you. Let's go. And I think that's, uh, that's a huge credit to Jordy and the rest of the coaching staff. They've done an excellent job. Uh, what is it about Kelly Olynyk and playing at these international tournaments? He's just really good, isn't he? Yeah. And he's even got kind of long hair, so he reminds yeah. me of Ryan Smith, so he's totally Captain Canada <laughs> yeah. in every sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know what, guys? I'll just I'll tell you a story. There was a, there was a friendly uh, game that Canada played against China at Rogers Arena a few years ago, and uh, the team had a practice at the Richmond Olympic Oval, and I went down there. And Kelly Olenek, as always, was there, and Dwight Powell was there, and... Um, Jeez, uh, who else was there? I, Anthony Bennett was there too, by the way. Shout out Anthony Bennett, former number one overall pick and, and boss for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But I'm watching them scrimmage and Kelly Olynyk's playing outside defense and I'm standing right under the basket and, and the pass is coming over, the lob's coming over and Kelly just slides over there and he's like, get that bleep out of here. Blah, and he just sends it into the second row. And I'm like, you know what? That's a guy. That's a dude who's just going to show up. He's going to put the uniform on. He's not going to complain. He's going to say the right things. He's going to do the right things. He's going to be a professional. He's going to play hard every time out. So whenever I see Kelly Olynyk, guys, I always think of that moment, and he always brings it. He just does. There's never anything bad or wrong that Olynyk ever does in a Canadian uniform. I can't figure it out myself, but he's invaluable to have out there. He's still an invaluable NBA player, too, by the way, but he's an invaluable player to have out there with this national program because he's always reliable. He's always there. Uh, so what's uh, on the docket now for uh, Canada basketball, and, and, and what do they have to do uh, the rest of this tournament? Like, I... Obviously, this is already, I think, viewed somewhat as a success, but what's the next level of success uh, that they can achieve here? Well, I mean, they've got you know, Brazil coming up, and they've got probably Spain to deal with here the next two games, Friday and, and, and Sunday. I mean, look, guys, let's, let's not mess around. Clearly, the goal here is to finish uh, uh, the top two mm-hmm. on the America's list and, and to get to the Olympics. So we've been through this now for eight years. Mm-hmm. We remember... 2015 where they lost to Venezuela or whatever it was. And then the disappointments in the qualifying tournaments, we've reached a point now where the the goal is to get to the Olympics period. And, and Canada basketball has done a good job of getting these guys uh, to commit, to make that three, four year commitment to, to take this seriously, to take that next step. It is a wonderful sign uh, that they have um, not only won these games, but also uh, dominated on the point differential side of things. They have the best point differential in the tournament, and of course, with international stuff, that always matters. But I don't think we can mess around here. The goal is to get to the Olympics. Hopefully, they can take care of business on Friday. Hopefully, two wins, one win, that might be okay too. But hopefully, two wins, and, and you know, heck, can we just face the United States and beat them? That'd be a lot of fun too, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, and honestly, <laughs> depending on what type of roster the Americans have, it's not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, the Americans have lost games in the past. It's not like they're unbeaten in international play. play. We've seen Argentina beat them. We've seen Spain beat them, beat them. We've seen other countries find a way to beat them. And right now, there is no country that has more NBA talent behind the U.S. than Canada does. Right? Canada clearly is a second nation in the world when it comes to NBA talent. The question is, can that finally really come through so they can be an international power? Obviously, really fighting in the Americans is going to be difficult to go toe-to-toe the way, say, uh, American hockey players and Canadian hockey players are going toe-to-toe potentially. Yeah. But I think we need to get to a point where people understand that there is no other country outside of the U.S. that has as much NBA talent that Canada has. 
Oh, for sure. And, and you know, it's funny. I, I like that you kind of made the hockey analogy there because I'm watching this Canadian roster and it's like, hey, there's uh, there's Shea Gildas Alexander. He's like Mike Medano in 1996. <laughs> and there's there's R.J. Barrett. He's like Tony Amante. And there's there's Kelly Olenek. He's like Jeremy Roenick. I feel like yeah. we're at that stage where mm-hmm. the rest of the world is realizing, oh, hey, there's real legitimate NBA players on this roster. Guys, I remember 13 years ago watching the national team play and Oh, hey, Joel Anthony dunked the ball that one time. You know what I mean? Like that, I, exactly. that was the high point for a little while. Yeah, it was Nash and, and Anthony. That was pretty much it. I mean, Joel, you guys know Anthony? He's yeah. the backup center in Miami. That's kind of the, it was like a trivia question. <laughs> well, the second best moment in Joel Anthony's career was right after the, the decision with LeBron. When they were interviewing LeBron, they were talking about the depth in the Miami roster, and LeBron literally said, well, you know, hopefully with D-Wade or I pass the ball to Joel Anthony, he'll make a laugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there was a great moment with Joel Anthony, and and, and we just covered two of them right there. But, yeah, but look, I mean, guys, Canada has arrived. Uh, they've shown that over the last few days here. I'm, I'm so thrilled for the program because, honestly, for eight, nine years, all we've done is laugh and make jokes and talk about how they just choke left and right and they can't get guys to show up. And it's always something. And even going into this event, it was like, you know, just, just show us. I just want to see it. And now we finally get to see it. And it's really, really friggin' cool. And I really hope it carries on Friday and Sunday. And I know you guys hope that, too. Uh, I actually forgot what I was going to ask. I had something very important, and I, I totally blanked out. He just blanked on it. It, it was it was by very important. I meant a, a joke, joke. Probably uh, a joke question. I, 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 well, I you know, Bick, Bick, you know what it was. You're probably thinking about Jake Bobo making the Seahawks 53 man <laughs> roster, despite running a five second 40 yard dash. That's what it was. Well, you know what? Uh, he's, he's making the team. <laughs> he, okay, uh, maybe unbeknownst to a lot of people, I know Marcus Fitzgerald does basketball central, yeah. but he's not just a basketball guy. Like he's finding an, you know, obviously is a niche. Fly Eagles filled. fly over here. Big Eagles fan. Yeah. I know you watch football religiously as well. We were having a discussion yeah. uh, before you jumped on here in the previous segments about some surprise teams and everything like that and, and you know, which team, which players can win some awards. I mean, we know uh, your guy, Jalen Hurts, had a massive year and with the Eagles, but how do you feel about the Eagles, but also like how difficult that division is going to be this season? Yeah, I, I do think the Eagles are due for a bit of a regression. And I, I use that term lightly because this is going to sound ridiculous, but it's like, well, you know, they'll probably go 11 and six <laughs> and to say 11 and six, that, that sounds awfully spoiled. But uh, when you factor in that the Eagles have uh, uh, new coordinators, uh, they also yeah. have, uh, some changes on the offensive uh, side of the ball and the defense as well. I think the defense is going to take a step back, and you're also relying on all the Georgia Bulldog kids to uh, figure it out right away when you're already on a timeline with a 25-year-old MVP quarterback and a very tough schedule. Now, the Eagles are going to be in Seattle December the 17th. I'll be at that game. But the lead-up to that game, uh, they play in Kansas City, and then it's Buffalo, and then it's San Francisco, and then it's Dallas. That is a murderous stretch. They've got a much, much more difficult schedule this season. So I do think we'll see a minor regression. But uh, at the end of the day, in the NFC East and the NFC as as a whole, it's the Eagles, it's San Francisco, and it's Dallas. There's going to be a bit of a battle uh, with the Cowboys, to be sure. And the Giants will be frisky. And you could say the same about the Commanders, depending on how excited you are about uh, the Sam Howell kid. But um, I, I don't think the Eagles will be a number one seed going into the postseason. I think the Niners will take that spot if Brock Purdy is fully healthy. And then the Cowboys, if they don't self-combust, well, they'll be right there too. I, I, look, guys, the Eagles are still going to be great. I'm excited about them. But uh, I, I do think they are going to take just a slight step back. There's going to be a few bumps along the way. Yeah, it's really tough to, to get as far as they did and then try to repeat that the next year, especially when the team that doesn't win at all. It's, it's always super challenging. Uh, before we let you go, uh, did you have a ticket to the Drake concert last night? <laughs> 
I did. I did not have a ticket to Drizzy. No, um, I, I'm not. I gotta say, I'm not the biggest Drizzy fan. I love. I love One Dance. One Dance is great. There was a tweet one time about that song where if you're in the club and that song comes on, you are immediately in a committed relationship with whoever's standing in front of you for three minutes. <laughs> Pretty much. I, no, you know what? Th- yeah. That's a good take. I will say though, because um, Marcus and I went to school together. Yeah. Back in like you know, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna date ourselves here, but like 2005, six, six right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then five was a while ago. Yeah, and Marcus got a job to go in Brooks, Alberta, and he took off. And not too long after, I got a job in Edson, Alberta, and uh, for a while. Started at the bottom. Now we hear was like our our theme song, right? It was our theme song. It was. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe you revealed that. That's that's amazing. Yeah, man. That hey, man. amazing. And, and We've all done on. that. We've all done that. You're not alone in that one, Marcus. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. Hey, Marcus, man. Great stuff as always. Look forward to hearing you on the airwaves more more uh, as the season goes on here. Hey, love you, fellas. Appreciate you. I, I just remember what I was going to ask. I was like, it, it sounds like uh, Basketball Canada is at a stage where Soccer Canada was uh, like two and a half years ago. So what is uh, so the Federation is going to screw but, it up as but, well but in like a ho- year? Hopefully they don't fumble the bag. Yeah, because uh, I mean the difference like, is... All this optimism sounds great, but there's markers that's like, don't follow that trend. No, you can't. I mean, as much as obviously basketball players care about playing for the national team, it's not the same as soccer players representing their countries mm-hmm. for the World Cup. Like, Olympics is but, big, but building towards the Olympics, Olympics is, is a big. big. Thing, yeah. the Olympics is big, but it's it's a bit different. So it's it's a different ecosystem. Like you're right. Like Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, they mm-hmm. all want to play in in the World Cup. Doesn't matter, right? So they're gonna grit their teeth. They'll play in the World Cup no matter what. But like the top basketball players are like, yeah, I'm good. I'm not gonna play in the Olympics. So how you run your program is very important. How you convince these players to come and play is very important. And for the longest time, they couldn't convince any Canadians to represent the country. Like it was getting bad. At it was tough. Point. It was really tough. And now you're at a point where it's like, okay. Not only are most players willing to play, even if a couple of guys pull out that are really good, you still have Shea Gilgis Alexander. You still have some super talented players. And I still think that, obviously, if they're ever going to compete with the Americans, Vic, they're going to need to have all hands on deck, deck right? Like, that's going to give you a chance. But in terms of having success in this tournament, you don't have to have the best roster. You have to have a very functional roster, a team that plays together, that has a good coach. And I think right now they have that, especially with the way Shea Gilgis is playing, but then R.J. Barrett and the mm-hmm. rest of the role players. And you brought up Jordy Fernandez, who's an assistant coach with the Sacramento Kings. And don't laugh at the Kings. This past year, no, I mean, no, they no. were... I mean, that's a serious Shine basketball the beam team. or whatever yeah, it was, right? Yeah, 100%. Mike Brown, coach of the year and all that. But... I, I think they're they're bringing in like legit like they had Nick Nurse as their head coach. Now they have Jordy Fernandez, who's well respected. Like they're the guys are bringing in to coach their programs. And God love Jay Triano, but it's a bit it's a bit of a step up, mm-hmm. right? You're going from like you know a guy that can coach in the NBA did a little bit to like Nick Nurse, one of the better coaches, to Jordy Fernandez, one of the up and coming coaches. Like you're putting together a pretty impressive uh, roster and coaching staff. Where they go over these next eighteen months is going to be really fascinating. Yeah, because. As Marcus mentioned, and as you mentioned, there's still more growth potential here. Yeah, that's the bit that's exciting. It's it's the first seeds of finally they're at the level. They're meeting expectations of where we thought they could get by this stage, but you still see that the tree can still grow. Oh yeah, I mean every year now there's like almost a handful of Canadians mm-hmm. that are that can be drafted. Two or three get drafted every year. It seems like now, you know, and there's like five or six of you. Like this guy might mm-hmm. get drafted in the second round. So you know that pool is really growing. This text unsigned. Wiggins sh- should not be added if they qualify for the Olympics. I don't disagree. I think Wiggins on that Golden State team, mm-hmm. where it's very clear that where he ranks in the hierarchy works. But thing is. 
Like Wiggins is gonna play. He's gonna be like, I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm the same. Like, but he, you've got an NBA champion in there. You've got an emerging. You do, but star and Shea. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I wouldn't invite Wiggins. I, I, I think if you can have Jamal and Shea Gilgis, I don't think yeah. you need Wiggins. And that's not to say he's not a super talented player. He, I just don't think he's willing to play what he, the way he needs to play to coexist yeah. with those players. If, if, if he's, if he does the, hey, I'll be the defensive stopper. Great. Yeah, if he's willing to do yeah. that, but I, he hasn't shown any willingness to do yeah. that yet. That's so the thing. that's that's the thing I worry about with him. And I'd rather not have that guy than have a guy that is not going to be able to fit in because I think he'll throw off the ecosystem. I think if you can have it set up properly, but obviously if Andrew Wiggins ever decides to play and decides to do the things he needs to do, if he plays, if he's willing to do the Golden State role, he can be a help. But I think every time Wiggins gets around the Canadian players, he feels like he wants to be the top alpha dog. And if that's the case, I think that's going to be trouble. Because I think he's clearly the third best Canadian player behind those two guys. Hmm. Like, I think, without a doubt, yeah. Shea is better. And I think Jamal Murray's the better player, too. If there's a jump from RJ this year, maybe that puts into conversation. That could, yeah. But you'd need the... The you need to jump. jump. Yeah. I mean, and I think Jamal, the thing with Jamal that's so impressive, he's a big game player. Like mm-hmm. he's a guy that literally gets better in the postseason. Yep. Gets better, better in bigger games. Late and that's, games. That's and that's not just like, hey, a luck mm-hmm. thing or like, hey, the numbers are just kind of going that way. Like he's legitimate in that aspect. There's a reason they won the NBA title this past year. All right. Great stuff as always. A lot of fun talking some NBA. Thanks to Marcus Bajero for fitting in. Uh we'll, we'll hit some more uh well, we're going to get to some lacrosse talk coming up at at, at 3.30. We're going to have Steve Ewan joining us. Huge game tonight. Massive game coming up in New West. We'll get to that coming up in a bit. But also the next on, on the next segment, we'll d- dive back into some NFL talk. We didn't pick our rookies of the year. We'll talk about that. And also, what is going on in the world of soccer? That's next on The People Show.